Are you curious about that one supplement that I take every single day? In fact, multiple times a day? Head on over to Organifi.com forward slash Varga, use promo code Varga to save 20% off of your next order. Why I love Organifi is they are glyphosate-free, non-GMO, superfoods, and adaptogenic fruit juice blends. Superfoods are really important for your everyday metabolic processes, and adaptogens are really key to help you overcome stress in stressful situations. Stress is a sign of being alive, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just make sure we have adaptogens on board so we can cruise through that stress, overcome those obstacles with greater grace and ease. Enjoy today's episode on the School of Radiance podcast, and you're going to love Organifi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rachel Varga podcast. I'm your host as a board-certified aesthetic nurse, and I love helping people learn about the best products and procedures to help them age impossibly well for many years to come. I am so over the moon honored to have Dr. Anthony Yoon on the show today. Dr. Anthony Yoon, thank you so much for joining us today in between your surgeries. Thank you so much for having me on, Rachel. And just call me Tony. You don't have to call me doctor or any of that stuff. We're friends. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. So you have your own podcast, the Holistic Plastic Surgery Show podcast. And I just had you on. So depending on when this airs and when mine airs, uh, definitely uh, take a listen because you gave a lot of great, great information. Oh, thank you so much. And I am such a fan of your YouTube channel. By the way, I think you do a bang up job giving education. Thank you so much for doing the work that you do. Well, thank you. That's fun. I, I like sharing good information, and uh, I think you and I are definitely on the same page. Mm-hmm. I actually started in this online space to really help provide patient education, but little did I know that I would be actually training other physicians and nurses internationally to really take just just wonderful care of their patients on a deeper level and just, you know, doing the rejuvenation stuff. So it's really neat actually seeing where, quote unquote, plastic surgery is going. Yeah, it's an exciting time because, you know, if you look at plastic surgery 15, 20 years ago, it was just surgery. And now there's just so much more. I mean, when I look at my practice right now, and I mean, still surgery, I, I mean, I operate three times a week and the surgery does drive the the main, I guess, economics of the practice to an extent. But I'd say maybe one out of every 30 or 40 patients in my in my practice actually has surgery. I mean, that, the other 29 of 30 do not. Uh, but there, because there's so much else that we can do nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. It just makes me wonder what is going to happen next in regards to products and procedures. Tony, tell me about yourself and where do you practice and what type of practice do you have? So I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon. Um, I've been in private practice in the metro Detroit area for 15 years. Um, I My practice basically spans everything from skincare to actual surgery. I've got uh, two full-time estheticians. We have a myriad of lasers and other types of treatments that we offer. I've got two nurse injectors and a PA injector, uh, and then I perform all the surgery. So it's a, it's a big... Um, I guess, team. And the thing that I pride myself in is that uh, there's a lot of autonomy. I really trust my extenders, my nurses, my PA, my um, estheticians to do treatments because they are so well-trained and because they do such a nice job. 
Um, and so unlike some, let's say, plastic surgery practices where they just offer surgery or maybe dermatology practices where they just offer skincare and injections and lasers, you know, we can really offer the whole spectrum. And what we're doing now, which is really exciting and is how you and I met, is that we're adding more of the holistic type of stuff into it, you know, more um, nutrition, supplements, and and how can you help yourself to feel and look your best, ideally with not without going under the knife. Mm-hmm. And that's actually why we click so well is because we're, I really feel like we're both on the same wavelength to be your most beautiful, radiant version. You really got to do the body, mind, spirit, energy stuff, and then add in the rejuvenation options. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? No, I totally agree. I mean, and, and the unspoken part of it is that whole mind and spirit part of it, because I mean, there's so much to beauty that isn't just getting rid of wrinkles. I mean, there's so much more to it than that. Uh, and so definitely working all of that into a more holistic perspective of beauty and of aging. I think that's the ideal. Mm hmm. So you call yourself a holistic plastic surgeon. I love that, by the way. I think that just says a lot about you. But it's a bit of an oxymoron when people Mm -hmm. think, you know, holistic, plastic surgery. But the two are really coming together more and more over just the last few years. I've really seen this trend in rejuvenation of, of really looking at the body, mind, spirit stuff and the rejuvenation. So tell me what exactly a holistic plastic surgeon is. So the days of a white male, overweight, 60-year-old surgeon performing liposuction or facelifts and then, you know, eating a hot dog for lunch with horrible skin, you know, those surgeons, those days are pretty much over. You know, patients are expecting more out of their doctors nowadays. And so what happened many years ago is, you know, I, I trained, I did all of the the straightforward conventional medical training. I did four years of medical school. I did three years of general surgery residency. I did two years of plastic surgery residency. And then I spent a year in aesthetic plastic surgery in Beverly Hills with one of the top plastic surgeons there. And I started my practice in Michigan. It got really busy and I was performing surgery on people from all over the country. I had a year long waiting list and I had a patient who had a potentially horrible complication. Um, I was basically in this groove where, hey, you know, we're doing surgery and, and we're taught in surgery this whole idea to cut is to cure. The only way to heal is with cold steel and, and that operating on somebody is the pinnacle and that's what you want to do. And that's how I practiced for a while. And, and then I came to my, a realization when I had a patient who had a facelift done um, who had some bleeding complications that just happens and she almost died. Uh, but because I acted very quickly, because we brought her to the back to the operating room very quickly, she ended up doing just fine. But it really got me into thinking, there's got to be a better way to do this. And instead of the goal of bringing people to surgery, which in general, that's what you look at as a surgeon, that's your goal. The goal should be the opposite. It should be not to bring people to surgery. And so that's really what I have been uh, doing now with my practice is how do we then look at plastic surgery from a more holistic perspective of encouraging people to eat the right foods, of using clean skincare, of, you know, like you said earlier, that whole mind and spirit, you know, and being accepting of who you are, uh, and then using surgery as a last resort. That's, that's really the, where I'm going now with my practice. 
Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that experience that kind of led you to do the turnaround in the way that you, you know, not only look after your patients, but I'm assuming looking after yourself too, because there's a lot of, you know, sick physicians out there that are, are really overworked. And, and I think that this can uh, really trickle down into really any profession when we're so concerned with health helping others and we neglect our self-care. So if you're listening to this, you're a busy mother or you're a professional, do make sure that you take the time to really care for yourself from the inside out. Well, I think it's important to realize too that as physicians, you know, we don't get trained in nutrition. We don't get trained in a lot of these holistic and complementary therapies. Um, I didn't get hardly any nutrition training. The only nutrition training I got in my five years of residency and one year of fellowship was how to do uh, TPN orders and how to do, you know, how to treat people when they have horrible illnesses. They're in the ICU and you've got to then um, give them nutrition through a tube into their into their stomach. And and yeah, that's super important when somebody's really sick. But but that's in the real world when you know people are eating fast food every day. People are eating so much sugar and junk. You know. It's crazy what we eat as doctors while we're trying to tell people that, that they need to make themselves healthier. Mm-hmm. That's actually really interesting what you said about the training in the U.S. for MDs and that there isn't a lot of emphasis on internal medicine. And then you go to other countries, for example, in South America, they tend to get a lot more information on internal medicine. So to be an expert provider like you and I, we have to go to ongoing trainings all the time. So Tony, what do you recommend that people look for in an expert qualified provider? Well, it depends, I guess, on what you are considering having done. So if you're thinking about uh, facial treatments, you may want to find a different surgeon than or a doctor than if you're looking for body treatments. Uh, one thing that we have here in the States that has really been very disturbing uh, is the trend towards non-board-certified uh, plastic surgeons performing plastic surgeries. So you have in our, you know, just in, in our region here, ER doctors who are performing tummy tucks in their offices. You've got family practice doctors who are doing liposuction. You have cardiologists who are putting breast implants in. Because what's happening in the United States is with the way the healthcare is set up, the doctors who used to be making a lot of money aren't making so much anymore. And so they look at plastic surgery as a cash cow for them. So these doctors will ditch their chosen profession They'll take a weekend course to do cosmetic stuff. They open they open up an operating room in the back room of their office and they start operating on people, often with just horrible, horrible outcomes. So that's the first thing is you want to make sure you see a board cert. If you think about surgery, you want to make sure you see a board certified plastic surgeon. If you think about plastic surgery of the eyelids, I know you work with an oculoplastic surgeon or a, an ophthalmic plastic surgeon. You know that's a great doctor if you're thinking about eyelid surgery. There are uh, facial plastic surgeons, if you're thinking about uh, facelifts or nose jobs and that type of thing, you just really want to do your homework. Um, and then as far as injections, you know, I'm not one who believes that only doctors should be doing injections. I know there's some doctors who do. I have nurse injectors in a PA who, they inject 10 times as much as I do. You probably inject 10 times as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they do a great job with it, but under the supervision of the right doctor. That's you know, right. In, in our area, there are med spas where the doctor is a family doctor who basically doesn't know anything about cosmetics and they just sign charts. And I've seen complications from them where I've told patients, hey, you know, you had your injection done by a nurse. That nurse works underneath the doctor. 
you need to see that doctor and get recommendations. And when they go back, they say, well, they tell me that the doctor doesn't know what to do because they don't even see the doctor. They just come after hours to sign charts. That is just not acceptable. It's actually different in each state and in each province because I actually train mm-hmm. other physicians and nurses. I know exactly what you're talking about. So if you're not sure what the uh, what the rules are, just check with your local health authority. Uh, but basically some clinics, they just need an MD in order to mm-hmm. order products. And then, yeah, they just come in and sign charts. So mm-hmm. when I actually just this last weekend, I presented in Toronto at a nurse expert summit for uh, the top 50 nurse injectors in Canada. And mm-hmm. I was learning with some top anatomists from the Mayo Clinic. So we did this really great cadaver lab and other plastic surgeons internationally. And I really shared with my colleagues to make sure that you collaborate with physicians, plastic surgeons, oculoplastic surgeons, um, you know, just in the event that you have a complication. And it's really great to have oh, yeah. these collaborative relationships and know when what you can do has a limitation and when to refer out. But it's all about collaboration for optimal outcome. I totally agree. What would you say that your most radiant patients are doing? Uh, I think that it really is a multi, it's multi factors that, that really impact how you look. You know, I get so many people that come in to see me and they'll see me on TV or they'll see me on social media and they'll have cash in hand saying, I want a facelift. And you look at their skin and their skin is just absolutely horribly damaged from years and years of abuse. And the first thing I try to tell them is, look, you know, it doesn't start with a facelift. It starts with taking care of yourself, getting on the right skincare products, you know, getting you using your sunscreen. We can do some non-invasive treatments like IPL. We can do laser treatments, chemical peels. And sometimes we find, quite often we find, that spending one-tenth of what you would on a facelift just on the right products can help you actually look younger than if you had a facelift done. So it really is a multifactorial approach of eating the right food. So, you know, reducing the amount of sugar that you eat, getting rid of all the as much of the processed foods as you can out of your diet, you know, being very choosy, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables. And then going towards skincare, I do recommend clean skincare. We do have uh, in my practice medical grade products as well that I think for those people who have severe aging uh, and severe damage of their skin can be I mean, life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And then progressing from there to the non-invasive treatments like lasers, like chemical peels. uh, And then if those things don't do it, then let's talk injections and surgery. Mm -hmm. And I love that people don't have to go straight into a facelift anymore. And the running joke in Miami is that people will fry their skin and, oh, I'll just get a facelift. But it (laughs) It doesn't make sense to us, yeah. I hear of many physicians and plastic surgeons really encouraging people to do the skincare and lasers and sometimes injectables first before the facelift because when you do that, sometimes you can actually get an even better looking outcome than a facelift. It's, it's different every time. So when in doubt, just make sure that you're consulting with your plastic surgeon on what's right for you. And I totally agree. I mean, really, it's looking at it from a more holistic perspective and trying to be educated. I had a patient not not too long ago come in to see me. And I mean, the person worked outside for decades and had just horribly, horribly sun damaged skin. And she wanted a facelift. And yeah, she had some jowls. She had a little loose skin. And I, and I sat there and I talked to her about skincare and take care of skin and, and, and this and that. And I could tell as I'm talking to her, 
that she is not hearing me at all. And I pleaded with her. I'm like, you just, yeah, I said, just take three months of your time, apply these, you know, apply these creams we're going to recommend morning and night, and just trust me, hold off on the surgery. 20 minutes later, she goes to see my um, patient coordinator and my, and she says, I just want to go ahead and sign up for surgery. I don't care about the skincare. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just spent a half hour like pleading with you to do this. But <laughs> What can you do? You, you do your best, you know? Yeah, I really hear you on that. And that's a whole other topic. People are just really oftentimes looking for, you know, the quick fix, the magic yeah. pill, the magic treatment. Well, newsflash, there isn't one. It's about taking that multifaceted approach with your skincare, your laser treatments, sometimes injectables, and sometimes surgery. It's, it's really all of that and your healthy lifestyle. So it's funny how people kind of get stuck in that and they think, oh, I'll just do this and then I'll be good for the rest of my life. And and people uh, in my experience who have had facelifts, they're really shocked when, you know, two to five years later, they're wanting to improve another area that wasn't addressed by the facelift because the facelift yeah. won't do everything. So many things can be wonderfully complementary. And totally. And and the quality of your skin is what's going to keep those surgical results up. Yeah. And so if you have poor quality skin, you know, I do facelifts on men and women, like um, husband wives. And you know what? I mean, men are terrible with taking care of their skin. I mean, they use bar soap. They don't use any moisturizer, no sunscreen. And then they come and they want a facelift and they expect that the results are going to last as long as their wife, who's been taking great care of her skin all her life. Not at all. And you see, I see these results and I always tell them, I say, look, to the guy, you're not going to get nearly the longevity out of the surgery as your wife will. Even though your surgery is going to be more complicated, you have a higher risk of bleeding. It may be a pain in my butt to operate on you, honestly, like guys, but you're not going to get the same result, unfortunately. Oh, that's a perfect segue into my next question for you. Let's talk male sure. rejuvenation. More and more men are seeking rejuvenation. More and more men are in the public eye. I actually work with a number of male celebrities, and they don't want anything that's going to make their skin red. They don't want painful procedures. But a lot of times what gets them into looking after their skin and seeking out treatments is because their wife is looking really good. And mm -hmm. then their wife encourages them or, or their girlfriend or, or partner or whatever, you know, try these products. I have these really great medical grade skincare products. And they're like, oh, my gosh, my skin is better. <laughs> <laughs> So what, one thing, a couple of things we've been seeing with men, um, I mean, you mentioned it, and, and there are the same treatments that you use in women like Botox, like the right skincare, um, and uh, there's, there's uh, radiofrequency type of skin tightening treatments that are no, no downtime. But even more than that, what we're seeing is this revolution of body treatments that are really getting men interested in coming to see plastic surgeons and uh, other cosmetic providers. So we have one uh, we have two in our office that are super popular called one's called M sculpt mm -hmm. and the other one is called sculpture. So sculpture is a competitor to cool sculpting. Uh, basically it is a non-invasive fat reduction treatment. It's a laser where we can target four different areas to reduce the thickness of fat by about 24% after two treatments. The treatments are basically painless. You can feel some heat to it. Uh, and it does take a couple months to see all the fat of that 24% ish disappear. Uh, and then more recently, we've added something called M-Sculpt. M-Sculpt is a really hot device right now that stimulates muscle contractions 20,000 times over a 30-minute session. So you put it on the abs or your buttocks, and it can stimulate those muscles to contract 20,000 times. 
Now there are even um, attachments now where we can put it on biceps, we can put it on triceps, we can put it on deltoids, and it really, and in calves, it's getting men who are wanting, let's say, that six-pack or the bigger biceps, uh, a great way to do it. If you do those treatments, the studies are showing a 15% increase in the thickness of the muscle after six months, a 19% reduction of fat. And for those women who've had children and they have had developed a diastasis, a separation of the abdominal muscles, it can reduce that diastasis by 11%. So it's been a, a really a revolutionary new treatment that we're adding. And, and these, these treatments where there are no downtime um, are really getting more and more men uh, seeking plastic surgeons and other cosmetic providers because just like, I said, like you said earlier, there's no downtime, it's easy, yet they see results. Hmm. Yes, I would agree with you that men are often interested in the body sculpting. I would say one of the most common things that men ask me about are what do I do about baggy lower eyelids or yeah. hooded upper eyelids or low set brows. And there's so many wonderful things that can be done. So if you're ever not sure, just book a consultation with your plastic surgeon or I offer actually online consultations as well as in the clinic at rachelvarga.ca. And the more educated that you can be on what options are available, the the better choice that the better chance you're going to be making the right choice for you. So would you say you see that as well? Men really interested oh, yeah. in addressing brows and eyelids? Yeah, one of the things that I really love doing for men, and, and with as you know, being in a practice of inoculoplastic surgeon, there is you know, you have to be very careful when you operate on male faces because the plastic surgeries that have been developed, facelifts, eyelid lifts, brow lifts, they've all been basically developed around the female face. And if you have a surgeon who does the surgery the same way in a female, in a male as they would do in a female, then you could get a feminization of that male face, which most men don't want. So a couple of things, you know, for me, when you look at it for men, um, I almost never do brow lifts in men. Um, that's just something, you know, we, as we get older, our hairlines, uh, they recede and browlets do create scars that we try to hide behind hairlines. But if that hairline changes, those scars may become visible later on. So I'm not a fan of browlets in general in men, uh, with upper eyelid surgery. I do a lot of those in men. If you're an older gentleman and you've got a lot of skin hanging over your eyelids to the point where you're having a hard time seeing traffic lights and stuff, sometimes insurances can help pay for that. The key with that is to avoid what happened to Kenny Rogers. You know, you, when we do blepharoplasty in women, eyelid surgery, I try to remove as much skin as I safely can because women don't want extra skin up there. If you do the same thing in a man, then you got it, you can get a feminized appearance like happened to Kenny Rogers. Um, so, and once you do that, it's hard to put that skin back on. You got to skin graft it. And then for the lower eyelids, you know, the surgery that we do is in general is to remove puffiness. And I do a lot of those for men in a transconjunctival approach, meaning that it's the scar is hidden inside the eyelid. So there's basically no visible scar. I love doing that surgery in men because it, it has such low downtime. It's so straightforward, uh, almost no pain with it. Yet these men, they, they get rid of the puffiness under their eyes and it can make huge, huge differences for them. Mm -hmm. And I love recommending avoiding tear trough fillers. If you already have puffiness to your lower eyelid, it can just kind of make yeah. it worse. So that's why I wrote that paper last year that I actually won a, an award on. And it's a, it's a safety piece. So I'll actually send you a copy of it. I think you'll love it. You can share it with your, with your nurse injectors and your PA. Yeah, sure. Do you see one of the things that I'd be curious to see what your experience with it, um, 
sometimes I find that there are people who get injections of a hyaluronic acid filler in their tear trough, but they have festoons. Mm -hmm. And I have seen some patients where they, even though the, the filler isn't injected into the festoon, the festoon can get puffy afterwards. Uh, and it's hard. And, and even if you inject hyaluronidase, sometimes it doesn't seem to come all the way down. Is that something that you've seen in your practice much? That's actually why I wrote the paper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe I should read the paper and yeah. then ask you about it. <laughs> because I was actually fixing two botched tear troughs a week. And I, I got to put some some uh, some clinical data out there for people. So basically, if people have malar edema or festoons or they have too much skin laxity, you put a filler in there, it attracts water. Hyaluronic acid loves water. And the, the lower eyelid, actually, the lymphatic drainage occurs through the soft tissue. So if you throw a filler in there, you're going to block lymphatic drainage. So in my paper, I talk about placement for dermal filler along the zygomatic bone and not anywhere near the lower eyelid junction because fillers can migrate a little bit. Some are going to migrate less than others. Some of the brands out there are actually a little bit more cohesive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to find a provider that isn't just going to do your tear troughs, but really looks at the surrounding structures of the eyes. So the skin quality, the muscles that are contracting and causing fine lines and bulkiness the lower eyelid when you smile. I actually do a great uh, analysis for Dave Asprey on the Bulletproof Radio episode, uh, episode 668. It's a really fun one. You should check out that episode. Uh, but I often find, getting back to men, that the top things that they uh, want to address are skin redness, hair loss, and sexual function. So we tend to see hair loss in men to their, uh, to the, to their hairline. And actually, at-home microneedling can be really helpful. But when in doubt, have a consultation with your provider to learn more. But there's so many wonderful options out now. Yeah, there is. And I think with um, with hair loss, the first thing I recommend men do would be to get a nutritional supplement like Nutrafol. And then there's low light laser therapy. I know a lot of doctors are now doing PRP. I don't. I wouldn't recommend PRP as a first line treatment. I totally just because agree with you. <laughs> it's expensive, and yeah, I mean, and you have to do it over. I mean, you have to do it over and over again. It, it kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of like you know, we know Botox works great to get rid of wrinkles of the forehead and the crow's feet and all of that. And and yes, if you inject it, it's going to work. Just like PRP, it's probably going to work. But if you knew that you could take a nutritional supplement and in some people taking a nutritional, a nutritional supplement gives you results similar to Botox, well, heck, I'd recommend the nutritional supplement first. And then if it doesn't work, then yeah, let's move to Botox. And so that's kind of how I look at PRP is if there's other ways, start with the easier, less invasive, less expensive stuff. If that doesn't work, then then I do think that that's a, a very valid option. Mm -hmm. And find out about those less invasive, uh, lower cost options by consulting with the provider, not trying to YouTube and 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 Google it. Well, they can check my YouTube because <laughs> yes, I'll they can. Yes. I'll explain it and I'll give you the straight scoop. But <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right because you know it's one of those two where it's there's that saying if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, I had a a friend of mine who was a family uh, who was a manager of a family practice office and. They did family practice, you know, they saw sore throats, something like that, but he decided to buy a laser. So they bought this laser and it was one of those that, you know, you can kind of use for a bunch of different things. So they just recommend it for everything. So here are these patients where, yeah, I mean, ideally you want to have one laser that does hair removal, another one that's going to be better for, let's say, scars, another one that's going to be better for skin rejuvenation. But yeah, you can buy lasers that just 
and just use the same one for everything, but you're going to get kind of a, you know, so-so result with it all. And so definitely do your homework, just like you said, because there are people out there who will try to do the same thing for everybody, you know, where maybe they don't have, they don't know anything about supplements. Maybe they don't know anything about low light laser therapy for hair loss, but they just bought a new PRP set. So they're going to recommend that for you as your first line option. Well, that's not good. I love your honesty. You absolutely, I think, have one of the best YouTube channels out there and oh, you. and your podcast. So tell us where people can find you, your website, your podcast, your YouTube. You have a book out and some other great resources. Tell us all yeah, about that. So- um, so I have a podcast called The Holistic Plastic Surgery Show, and about an hour ago, I interviewed Rachel Varga on it, I, although the interview may not be up by the time you listen to this, we'll see. Um, and what I do is I interview um, holistic health practitioners, plastic surgeons, dermatologists, and we cover everything from gut health to skin health to cosmetic procedures and everything in between. Um, I have a very active YouTube channel, like you said. Um, really, I'm pretty much all over the place, I guess. <laughs> and my website, drhume.com, we actually have a free ebook called What to Eat to Look Younger. Um, so if you're interested in checking that out, uh, drhume.com, D-R-Y-U-N.com. Excellent. And I would love it if you listening would share this episode with a friend or family member. Take a screenshot of you listening and go ahead and tag me at Rachel Varga Official on Instagram, Facebook. Share it because the more people that have access to this really great holistic aging stuff is the more the better and uh tony where can people share this podcast episode on your social so i'm uh on instagram at tony Yoon md uh i'm on youtube or on facebook as well although facebook i'm not a huge fan of facebook anymore i think it's becoming uh, i don't know i just don't think it's as active as it used to be so we're focusing uh we still do a lot on facebook but we're also more mainly focusing now on instagram and youtube yeah me too i agree with you So if you're listening to this episode and you're not sure which options are right for you, you can go ahead and schedule an online consultation with me at rachelvarga.ca. Take advantage of my my free treatment planning guide. It's actually this little pop-up that comes up on my website at rachelvarga.ca. I have an incredible Unlocking Your Vitality ebook and masterclass. Take advantage of these resources that Dr. Yoon and I are putting out there to help you become your greatest version. Ever. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Dr. Anthony Yoon. It was a pleasure having you. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. All right. We will see you guys in the next episode.